Acts 8, please, in your Bible. If I'm correct, Brother Larson, your, your dad's in Africa right now? Yes. That is, we've been praying for him and for his travels. Church, it's good to be with you. It's good to be in Kansas. It is. It, two months ago, I think, was the last time we were together. Two months ago was the time when we came out just to look at the potential of moving here. And uh, it, it wouldn't have been appropriate at that time. It would have been presumptuous to thank you. Uh, for what we thought might happen, but it has happened. And so from our hearts to your church, thank you for taking such good care of our family. Uh, we understand when we've traveled the last two months and told people about the church plant, about Capital City Baptist Church and how we have a building already, that it didn't just materialize. It came because of the giving of God's people, specifically you. You, you purchased that. And so uh, on behalf of myself as a pastor, thank you. And then moving here and having a house furnished to move into, and I don't know if, if the whole church is aware of this, but Pastor Hanks and Mrs. Hanks have allowed us to be able to, to live in their residence. They have a second property, and uh, that's being cared for by you. And so I don't want to at all act like it is assumed that we deserve this in the slightest. We are humbled by your generosity and uh, very grateful for what you have done for us. Being relatively strangers, <laughs> yes, we don't know you, and, and I'm starting to learn names. Now, here's what you, you've, uh, I need to disclose. As of right now, I think I can retain about five names at a time. So, you say, well, it, am I out of luck if I'm number six? No, actually, you're, you're perfect. It's the number one that shifts out, and now I know two through six, and as I learn another, it just kind of moves up the list, so I might need to be reintroduced several times and see if we can expand that, but five is about the limit I'm finding, so... Thank you for bearing with us as we learn your names. And uh, my goal is to be able to learn your name by the time you learn my last name. All of your names. That is it. That's the idea. Acts 8, if you're there in your Bibles, we'll look in uh, chap chapter 8, verse thir uh, 26. Sorry, I misled you. 26. Um, Pastor Hanks is very gracious to allow me to, to preach this morning. And... The goal, though, is not that you hear from me, is that we all hear from the Lord, and, and that is our desire. So let's, let's read this passage of Scripture. Let's go to the Lord once more in prayer, and then we'll see what he has for us. Acts 8, and we're looking in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down to Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, so this is the, the Ethiopian, says, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Let's jump down to verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Christ Jesus is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
Let us pray together. Dear Lord, once again, we want to come before you asking for your presence here at this service, asking for you to meet with us. Uh, Lord, as a speaker and, and those that are the hearers, we all would want to be students of your word this morning. Uh, God, we don't want you to just to learn about you. We want to know more of you. And God, I ask that through your word and through your Holy Spirit that you might teach us. Father, I pray that my speech and my preaching would not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, that our faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We see a, a man in Ethiopian, as, as we'll refer to him, the Ethiopian eunuch. He's traveling along and he's reading the scriptures. And the man is, is pouring over this portion of, of the Old Testament of Isaiah. And he's not just reading, but reading aloud. Apparently pouring over this passage, knowing he's lacking something. He's missing something as he reads through this passage. And not just missing something in the text he's reading, but I think he's, he's delved into this scripture because he's missing something in his spirit. There's something lacking he's searching the scriptures for. And he's not searching the scriptures not just for academic understanding. He's searching the scriptures for personal fulfillment. He says there's something that is missing in my soul and I think it can be found here in the scriptures. And he was right. He, he had put his direction, his attention in the right direction. Now, you and I as travelers in this world, is, is there something in your life that you say, I am missing? I am not 100% fulfilled, satisfied with a category in my life. Are you everything that you want to be? Maybe stated better, are you everything that God created you to be? Are you doing, are we doing, are we fulfilling the perfect law of Christ? Are we living out the, the, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God in our lives? Is there a category, if you would, that you consider that, that you say, I'm just not happy? Can you identify an area of your life that you would like to see improved? Look, perhaps it's something spiritual. Perhaps it's, it's uh, your walk with God, your prayer life. You say, look, as, you, as you've mentioned these things, this comes to mind. Maybe it's, maybe it's your witness. Maybe there's a relative that you have failed to speak to about the Lord and it's just been weighing on your spirit. Maybe it's something that's uh, less, less spiritual. Maybe it's something that's perhaps more interpersonal. Maybe it's your relationship with somebody that you're close to. Maybe it's your relationship with your children or, or children, your relationship with your mom and dad, husbands and wives. Maybe it's, it's your relationship. It's just not where you'd like to see it to be. You know it can improve and you desire to see some improvement in this area. Maybe it's, it's not something spiritual, not something interpersonal. Maybe it's just something completely practical. Maybe it's something at work that you're trying to see grow in growth in. And here's the thing, have you, have you identified this in your life already and you thought to yourself, I've tried to make improvements and I, I've not been successful? Because to me, that's what, it gives me pause. That's why I hesitate to be able to reassess these situations. I say, yeah, I, it's not too hard to identify that there's things in my life that are wanting. And I, I think if you search out your, yourself and your life, honestly, you'd say, look, I, there's some things I'm falling short in. That's not the difficult part. The difficult part is how do I see improvement in this area? I've tried it before and I've been unsuccessful. I put all my energy into it a second time and failed again. And to approach it a third time, it just seems like I'm setting myself up for failure. I'd rather just kind of back away from the subject if, if I could for this morning. And I wanna encourage you to reapproach the subject, but evaluate, perhaps there's an element that's missing in this. You see, this Ethiopian's talking to Philip. And he says, I want to be able to see something in my life change. He, he phrases it like this. There's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Says, I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to like literally jump in with both feet. 
but I've kind of jumped into things before. I, he's traveling back from Jerusalem. It seems like a, a Jewish proselyte. Like he's, he's changed his religion once before. He's tried out new things in his life. And he says, I'm a little bit hesitant because I've done this before, but I haven't been successful in, in seeing fulfillment from this. And he says, Philip, what doth hinder me? What am I missing in this? Now, if you've grown up in church at all, a good Bible-believing Baptist church, you understand that there is nothing miraculous about these waters. There's nothing that's going to be cleansing about the water. It's because of salvation that baptism is significant. And Philip says, look, I'm going to explain this to you. I'm going to walk you through. What's, what, you can't just jump in with both feet, jump into the water. Let me give you the information. If thou believest, thou may be baptized. And he, he guides him into making the right choice, the right decision, following a good step process. Perhaps you would like to be able to just give this another shot, but there's an element that's missing. And I think, I think if we would ask ourselves the same question that the Ethiopian asked, he said, what doth hinder me? What's stopping me from succeeding in this area of life? Now, as I preach, there's areas of my life that go through my head, things that I know that I like to see done better, things that I don't really want to share with you, and I don't expect you to share those areas with me. But with these in our minds and on our hearts, you say, what doth hinder me? What's the element that's missing? We go to the scripture and we see this. The Bible says in Acts 8, 31, he said, how can I except some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. I would propose this that perhaps the missing elements in something that you've tried and failed and that you've reapproached and have not been successful in, perhaps it's guidance. Perhaps it's somebody to guide you. If you're trying to get somewhere that you've never been before, can I advise you to find somebody who has already walked this path and just get some guidance from them? Hey, how did you get over there? Because that's kind of where I want to be in life. And then go ahead and let them guide you through, take you through these steps. Uh, last night, my father just landed. He, he flew back from Poland, visiting his mother. And, and on this trip, he went on some hiking. Not with his mom, though. He was hiking by himself. And he did some mountain climbing. And he, he had a guide with him. And this last climb, uh, snow fell in the mountains right before they ascended. And there was... Uh, a heavy fog that set in. It was not an easy climb. It was a little bit more treacherous, but he said, you know what? It was comforting to me to know that I was with a guide, a man who had been down this path before, and I could just simply follow his guidance. And I want to ask you, in your life, will you, will you seek guidance in these areas? Will you find somebody? And the Ethiopian said, how can I accept some man guide me? Life is full of new roads. It's just the nature of this world that we live in. Whether you're in the, the parenting phase right now, I mean, there's, there's nothing just routine about parenting. It's always new challenges every day, every kid, every circumstance. It's always different. You're like, okay, I've been through this before. I know exactly. No, this isn't the same thing at all. It's completely different. It's a new day, a new challenge. Maybe, maybe you're out of that phase. Maybe you're into just the, the work life and technology is causing you to have to kind of shift through work. Maybe you're, it's just finances. You've, you've gone through the finances of a student and the finances of a young married, married couple and now you're going into to wealth building or maybe retirement, learning how to live on an income. I'm just saying the nature of life, it's always constantly changing. I was uh, married and I graduated from college in 2009. It's a big year for me, big changes in my life. And I thought, this is huge. I don't know if I'll have another year with as much change in my life as I had this year, 2009. Well, 2010 came and, and Laura and I, we moved 993 miles to Texas. 
Now that was a huge change. I left the only state I ever grew up in, the only church I ever knew. I entered into a new culture, a new category of life, and, and I'm caring for a, a brand new wife now. This is, this I thought, 2010, as far as just dramatic change, this might be the biggest change my life has ever experienced. Well, then 2011 came in and Chelsea was born. Now, God just handed, like, a young couple who is flawed an eternal soul to care for. This might be the biggest responsibility I've ever faced in my life, 2011. 2012, the number of kids we have doubled. Now, I know I went from one to two, but still, twice as much. Now, here I am 10 years later. It's like 2020, that was chaotic, right? 2021, we moved my whole family. Is there a calm year of life? Is there going to be a time where it just kind of, I think that's called death. Right? <laughs> We're just, oh, it's settled. Oh, I'm dead. Okay. I see what happened. Now, I, I'm not at all complaining about the very full life God has allowed us to lead. But I'm learning that just life is flux. It's constantly, constantly like this, which means I'm, it demands constant decision making. I've always got to be prepared. And, and I don't know what decisions are the big decisions. There's not a, a marquee over this decision I'm making today that says this is the life-changing one. This will, will change the relationship you have with your daughter forever. This is it right here, Mark. Take this one carefully. No, but I have got to approach every decision as if it's a big one. I'm finding that the little decisions are the big decisions in life. And so constantly with this, this is why the Bible advises, advises us that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Because there's so many different facets of life and every day a new challenge comes and every day we need to have some counsel from a different category. Why don't we take the counsel that's offered us? Why don't we as Christians, as humans, as adults, why don't we embrace this tremendous resource of counsel? It reminds me of this, this parable in Luke 12. He spake a parable, this is Jesus, unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruit and my good. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be married. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. What happened to this guy? He evaluated his life and he saw a category that he was honestly successful in. He said, I have been successfully financial, successful financially. I have. And there's no arguing that. And he took this category and he said, because I've been successful here, I feel like I can automatically translate this wisdom to every area of my life. I'm not arguing your success. Perhaps you're in here and you've built a multi-million dollar company. I think that's phenomenal. That's laudable. What does that have to do with your eternal soul? And I'm asking that with a great deal of respect. Amen. Sir, just because you've been successful in this category of your life, how does that automatically mean that you know exactly what to do for your soul? You realize you and I, we are eternal souls. The only way for a soul to dwell on this earth is for it to have a body. Your body, my body, has a shelf life, an expiration date, a funeral that we will be the center focus of. When that day comes, your soul can no longer tread on this soil. It'll be forever in one of two destinations, heaven or hell. One of two eternal destinations. 
And I appreciate what you've accomplished on this earth. And I can definitely respect your success in the financial sector. But what does that have to do with your soul? What does that have to do with your eternity? Brother Daniels, thank you for your lesson this morning. Phenomenal lesson about the economy of God, about missions giving. And as you evaluate your life, he says, so this man, he looked at his life and said, I can't find someone more successful than me to ask me this question. I will seek guidance of myself because I've evaluated. There's no way that this guy was more successful in every category of his life. But he looked at the one category he was good at and said, yeah, I'm pretty much the pinnacle of success here. So why would I go to anybody else? And God said, thou fool. Perhaps you've got a tremendous degree from a well-acclaimed college. That's, that's tremendous. Good for you. Don't think you're exempt from needing guidance in other areas of your life. You're smart. Great IQ. You're pretty. You can sing. Any one of these accomplishments, tremendous. Good for you. But we don't like to evaluate the areas of weakness. We look at our best points and we say, this defines me. I am successful do I need to ask advice of somebody else? Just because we're wise in one area doesn't mean that it translates over into every area of your life. And to make that assumption, God looked at this man and said, fool, it's a foolish decision to make. Guidance. Let's revisit the Ethiopian for one minute. If you would look with me in your, in your Bible at um, verse 27. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority. Okay, this man holds a title, like second to one, to the queen, and that's it. The man is accomplished. Um, he who had the charge of all of her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. That, I don't know if there's anybody in here that could match this guy when it comes to just success. What is he doing seeking advice from Philip? Who is, who is Philip? He's a, he's a, what's it we call a guy on the side of the road that's trying to get picked up? He's a, a hitchhiker, he's a hitchhiker. That's all he is, to, he's on the side of the road listening to read his chariot. He's like, hey, hey, you understand what you're reading? And this, this Ethiopian, humbles him, this successful, powerful individual, wealthy man, humbles himself and says, how, how, how can I accept some man guide me? Amen. I'm open to some help in some area of my life. Amen. Now, now, before your eyes start to shift and you say, who is, who is the wealthy that he's talking to? Who, who is the rich that he's talking to? A pastor mentioned on Wednesday that there's a trip, a missions trip planned to Panama in February. If you've ever been on a missions trip, you come home you realize as Americans, we are all so wealthy. We have been given so much financially, in freedom, in access to the scripture. We have been given so much. And sometimes as Americans, we have so much and we think, I'm doing really well. But can I, can I advise you, can I encourage you to seek some guidance, especially for your soul? when it comes to spiritual matters. Just because, young man, you've grown up in church, young lady, you've grown up through the ranks and now you've accomplished something in your life, doesn't mean that your Sunday school teacher can't offer you a great deal of guidance through this world. Just, just because you dress better than your pastor doesn't mean that he can't guide you through some of the most critical points of life. 
I, I don't know. I, it's more than once. I've been out sewing and I, I knocked on the door of somebody and he came to the door and I tried to witness to him and, and something to this statement was made. Looks left, looks right and says, does it look like I need God? Yeah, okay, me pulling up in my minivan with my Ross Dress for Less shoes and my hand-me-down watch. Yeah, I don't really hold a candle to your financial success. But what does that have to do with your soul? And for you to dismiss the advice, dismiss the guidance of somebody who cares about you, who might be able to help you in this category of your life, the Bible called the man a fool for doing that. And for you and I to be dismissive of this is something that I think might be the missing element when it comes to trying to accomplish something in your life. You said, look, I've done this before. I've done this church thing before. I've done the baptism thing in like a couple different denominations. I've tried it all. Why don't you just sit down at the seat of, a, of a somebody that can guide you, someone who has experience, a pastor, a teacher, a counselor in this church, someone that can be trusted, that knows the word of God, who has rightly divided the, the word of truth, and let them guide you no matter what success you've accomplished in any other category. How can I accept some man should guide me? Seek guidance for your soul. I, I think about this. There's no higher office in our country than the president. And the president still has a panel of advisors. Now the man has, has reached the pinnacle but has not outgrown counsel. In our early country, and I mean, every president has a, fine, or a, a spiritual advisor or, or several that he'll use. Um, election day sermons. Uh, when the colonies were around in early states, election day sermons were, were pivotal. pivotal. Uh, extra syllable there. It was a very formal address to the church. It was written longhand. It was printed in the paper the night before. It was the election day sermon that was preached to be able to help guide people through uh, the process of who to choose and the principles by which to vote on. And so many of the statements in our, our founding documents and early letters were, were written, were copied out of sermons that were preached on election day sermons. It was the advice of a pastor given to a politician, to a, a president. And they took those words to heart and they put them in some of our founding documents. I'm saying this, that no matter what degree of success that you've acquired, we've not outgrown counsel. We should never, no matter our age, no matter our bank accounts, no matter our titles. Amen. We look to this and, and the Ethiopian said, how can I? What doth hinder me, Philip? What, what's stopping me from this? What in your life did you identify and you say, I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble. I've not been able to. Can I, can I encourage you to seek out some guidance? Maybe it's in a spiritual sense. Maybe it's for your soul. Maybe it's guidance in parenting. I am... Um, had the unfortunate privilege to preach the funeral of a 21-year-old girl just a few months ago. And her mother gave a speech, a very heartfelt speech. And what you heard behind the broken heart was that her relationship with her daughter was not good. Her daughter had been chronically sick, but it wasn't fatal. It was something that was treatable. Uh, she, her parents paid for her to have a kidney transplant. All she needed to do was take the medication that would help her body not reject that kidney. And she refused to do it. And the best you can tell is because she wanted to spite her parents. That's why she did that. Because she knew it would drive her parents crazy. And literally to the brink of insanity. 
when, when you have to bury your 21-year-old daughter and you go through this, and she could have been saved. She, she could have been is of her own choice. My heart broke. I, I preached that funeral, and I, I listened to the words of her mom, and I saw the, the family just grieving. I thought, what happened here? Her, both her mom and dad, they, they had graduated from the University of Texas. Her mom majored in like child psychology and behavioral health. She was expert in helping people with issues. They had failed to recognize the value of a church, of a pastor, of biblical principles being forefront in their, in their home. Well, what, what need do they have with this antiquated book? this remedial way of doing family because they've been educated otherwise. And you just hear this lady's heart breaking. Saying, why did you do this? Why wouldn't you have listened to me? How come we couldn't have had a better relationship? It didn't have to, have to end like this. As a parent, just because you have a title or you have raised this child or you have been in this situation doesn't mean that we have outgrown advice. I spent some time on my drive up here from Texas talking to an 81-year-old lady in our, our church in Texas. And it's been said that you don't know if you've raised your kids well until you see them raise their kids. So that means I gotta look like two generations down the road or up the road to see how do I get parenting advice. So I can't just go to the generation immediately above me, I gotta go to the generation above them. And this 81-year-old lady, her, she was a, a pastor's wife, her sister, 25 years on the mission field in Brazil with her husband. I asked, what did your parents do? How did they raise two daughters that just dedicated themselves to the service of God? Now she, she a pastor's wife, she raised two sons. Both of them have dedicated their lives to ministry. The one pastor in Oregon, he has, I think, five children, six children, all of them full-time Christian service, three or four on the mission field. One pastoring in Oregon. Just, I, I, I've never done that. I've never accomplished this. But to take the time to sit down or listen to a lady who's 81 years old just kind of walk through her life and what her parents did and takes the time for that. The Bible says that the eunuch desired that Philip would come and sit with them. Young person, when's the last time that you desired for someone to just come and sit with you? And it wasn't an inconvenience to you to have to sit there and listen to them just drone on about life. When, when did you apply yourself to a conversation, not to be the speaker, but, but to be the hearer, to, to really focus on the words and on the advice that was given and apply it to yourself and take the time to hear that? Listen, take some advice from the ostrich, okay? Watch this. An ostrich is super fast and like ridiculously strong. I mean, like it can run 40 something miles an hour. But it's also pretty stupid, right? Not very knowledgeable. Just because you're stronger than maybe your dad now, just because you can talk faster than your mom, just because you can operate your phone with two thumbs rather than one finger, right? Just because you know what the remotes in the house actually do, it doesn't mean that you're smarter than your parents. It doesn't mean that you're fat. Just because you're faster doesn't mean you're smarter. Yeah, you can outrun your dad in half a mile. An ostrich can do that in like 90 seconds. Doesn't mean he's smart. Just because you're fast, just because you're strong. I fear that sometimes success in one category is what's causing us to fail in some of the most important things in life. 
because we focus on this and we say, I am, I have arrived. There's lots of categories. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. How can I accept some man guide me? And he desired that Philip would come up and sit with him. Why don't you in your heart just desire to have a conversation with your parents? Desire to hear what they have to say. Desire to apply it to your own life. Now age is relative. To a 14-year-old, a 34-year-old is pretty old. To my generation, go ahead and desire that somebody would just go ahead and have a conversation with you. I'm not going to put an age on it. Brother Daniel was very political about how he aged people in Sunday school. But my goodness, the value in the generations that have gone before me. And for us to not take time to listen is foolish. And I think they have traveled down roads that I have never traveled down. They have accomplished things that I could only dream to accomplish. What a foolish decision it would be to not look to them and say, hey, how did you get there? Would you mind offering me some guidance through this path? Maybe it's, it's how I raise my children. Maybe it's how I conduct ministry. Maybe it's about my relationships with others. Whatever it is, you find someone that has accomplished this in this category and you say, can you please help me? And what I'm saying this morning is that I think sometimes the reason that we hesitate in this is that we compare ourselves among ourselves and by ourselves. And by, my, my Bible says that's not wise. You look at someone and says, <laughs> he's minimum wage. He's barely going to be able to afford anything in retirement. Not me. Not me. Yeah, but... Look at your kids and look at his kids, okay? If we're going to compare things, why don't you compare your worst to his best and say, I've never accomplished that before. I, I'm wide open to advice from this man. This, this lady in the church, she's so old, she moves so, she talks so slow. My neighbor at my old house, he's 70-something years old and from the south, he talks so slowly. It was just agonizing. But you know what I realized? If I took the time to listen... He saved me so much money and so much life. If I would just humble myself before this man that I was a whole lot faster than. And listen to the wisdom that he had. Amen. He had never been an independent Baptist. No. I don't think he's won anybody to the Lord. But what am I going to do taking this category of my life and dismissing all the wisdom from this man? Why would I do that? This eunuch, with a title, with authority, with wealth, he said, Philip, you can teach me something. And he was eternally benefited for the decision he made to humble himself. The missing element, I think, sometimes to these areas where we say, what doth hinder me? How come, I, I'm not, how come I'm not seeing growth in my Christian life? How come I'm not seeing my kids turn out the way that I'd like to see them turn out? How come I, I'm, not, I'm not succeeding financially? Perhaps it's the lack of guidance. Well, yeah, that's an obvious one. Get some counsel. Why don't we? Because I think sometimes we compare our successes and we say it translates over. And I'll say to my soul, soul, no, thou fool. Don't do that, my friend. We think about spiritual advice and, and advice for our soul. We think about parenting advice and just, just practical advice for young people. And as we go through this, this life, I want to conclude with this. Just some spiritual or some financial advice. We're going into missions week. 
Uh, to me, Missions Week is one of the most exciting weeks of the year. I was so thrilled when I realized that we were going to land ourselves in this church right before the missions conference. I love missions conferences. I, I graduated with a degree in foreign missions. Uh, my father is an immigrant. Just my, my heart has been in missions uh, since I was a little kid. I, I started to learn how to fly when I was a teenager because I thought God might want me to be a bush pilot in Alaska. Just that's kind of my heartbeat has always been this. And so when we go into Missions Week, and I think about the financial financial uh, opportunities that we have in missions. It's just so exciting to me. And I walk into this and I think about financial advice in this world. Sometimes I think as Christians, as Baptists, we, we take this category and we say, can we humble ourselves to receive some type of advice from somebody else in the financial sector? Let me explain it like this. The Bible says that the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. One of the biggest hurdles in giving, in faith promise, for an individual is personal debt. The pastor talked about how you give out of what God has given you. Well, if your bottom line is red, it's in the negatives, you don't have anything to give. You have, and <laughs> this is fun, so many people have dismissed their poor finances as, well, I'm living so spiritually. You can't masquerade poor personal finance behind a banner of spirituality. My friend, giving is God's great gift to us. It's his way of enriching us. Giving enriches the giver. It's something given, it shall be given unto you. If you're following these, these biblical principles, you're not going to be in debt. But debt is causing so many Christians to fail to be able to give like God would want them to give. And so perhaps the category for you is, I've never been able to get out of debt. I haven't been able to build any wealth. I, I, I would love to give, but my finances just won't allow me to. And you're, you're accurate. They don't. You don't have anything to give. Just because you're saved, just because you're baptized, just because you're a soul winner, doesn't mean that you can't take advice from someone who has been successfully, successful financially and said, can you guide me through this, this category of my life? I need some help in this area. And go ahead and take the guidance. Let somebody help you through this and experience a category of the Christian life that is second to none. To be able to give, to be able to give generously, to have that opportunity is something special, but, but consumer debt, personal debt, has absolutely crushed that. How can I accept some man guide me? When we go into this missions week, perhaps this year is not gonna be the best year for you. But if you're struggling financially, why don't you look at 2022 and say, I'm gonna get some advice. I'm going to take some counsel from a man who teaches economics in the high school, who apparently has a good grasp about how this, this, this system works. I'm going to go to him and ask him, hey, do you mind? Would, would you? It's a humbling thing to do. It is very humbling. I don't think it's more humbling than an Ethiopian eunuch talking to a hitchhiker and saying, come up here. I need some help with this. And I don't know that that man regretted that decision for that day forward. Saved and baptized, going back to Ethiopia, being born again because he humbled himself and he got guidance, even though he was extremely successful. I'm not arguing with your success. I am not at all 
belittling the accomplishments that you've made in this life. But as you and I have identified categories in our life that are wanting, why don't you open yourself up to some guidance in those categories? Sometimes when we do this, you think, okay, look, he's dismissing all of the things I've done. Perhaps you've raised great children, but you know there's some weak spots in your life. Get some guidance in those. Perhaps you're, you're tremendous in business, but, but your walk with God is just terrible. And, and yes, you've wanted to and you've tried to and just, it's just not happening for you. Get some guidance. Put yourself under a good preacher. Perhaps it's personal in relationships. Whatever it is this morning, I think the element is guidance. How can I accept some man guide me? He said, what doth hinder me? What doth, and Paul or Philip guided him through this. What's hindering you? Get some guidance in this category. Yesterday, we witnessed to a, a seven, brother Nearing and I witnessed to a 17-year-old man who chose not to accept Christ. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today's the day of salvation. If you're uncertain about the destination of your eternal soul, would you allow someone to guide you through some scriptures today and that you can make a choice that will change your forever? Maybe the choice is just guidance, like literally baptism. Said, I'm, I'm all up for it. Get some guidance from that today. There will be counselors, there will be pastors, there will be people here that can walk you through what the Bible says, the significances of baptism, and it can be something that's so special to you. Maybe it's not these categories. Maybe it's something else, Christian, in your life. You said, I just, something's hindering me. Would you commit this morning to get some guidance from someone who's been successful in this category. It's humbling, but it's worth it. Let's pray together.